Psalms 118, and we're going to, I'm going to read a few verses for context since I'm going to comment on it, and then you won't have to read it, and verse 24 will be our text, but I'm going to begin verse 19. Psalms 118, verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go in to them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 24 will be our text. The title will be Every Day a Good Day. And there are several different directions we could go from this text, especially if we related it to the previous verses that I read. And many have done that, and they're all right. I really could not stand here and tell you, well, the real context is this rather than that. But the context many make, of course, is the scriptures, the two that preceded are prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're quoted in the Gospels and the New Testament as Christ being the stone, the cornerstone that the builders refused. And in fact, it hasn't been all that long we preached on that subject. And so the reference there in tying that prophecy together with verse 24, the day which the Lord hath made, would be literally the day of Christ, the day when the Messiah comes. And then we would enlarge that probably to encompass his time upon the earth. Now, we don't want to go so far as to say that is the day of the Lord because that is in reference to judgment when you read of the day of the Lord or the great and terrible day of the Lord. But this day, possibly, would be the day when Christ came, was incarnate, lived, and ministered upon this earth. So it would be the day of the gospel, even, some have said or taken this day in verse 24 to be. We could take that even a step further to the end of the Lord's life and ministry. And of course, he was crucified and buried, but that wasn't the end of it. There was a resurrection day that was the climatic end, so to speak, of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't it? And of course, upon his resurrection, uh, we have a new day of worship, which is the first day of the week newly established because of Christ's resurrection, an example of establishing that. And so many would say and have said and commented that this is the day which the Lord hath made. That, that first day of the week for New Testament believers to worship, not the end of the week according to the Jewish ceremonial Mosaic law. But we're going to take the most literal and practical approach to the text. And again, all of these fit. None of them are wrong in that regard. There's all an application there and something to be learned, but we're just going to take it at face value. That it, this verse can speak of every day. 
Especially those days we just mentioned. And those are special things that we just talked about concerning the prophecy of our Lord and His resurrection and etc. But this verse will apply literally and practically every day to the believer. Now it won't work for the world. It won't work for the unbelieving. But it should always work for the believer. Okay? So that's the approach we're going to take. This is the day which the Lord hath made. And that can be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It can be today, tomorrow, yesterday, any day you want to pick, the text will fit for the believers. All times, all ages, all circumstances, all weather, all calamities, all blessings. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I would like to say that a companion text would practically be, because you can't separate them, would be synonymous with 1 Thessalonians 5.18 which says, In everything give thanks. It's impossible to fulfill the last part of the verse in acknowledgement of the first part of the verse without being thankful. Person does not rejoice who is not thankful. You can't be glad without being thankful. A believer can't. And so, just want to throw that in there. That's very synonymous, all right? When we're talking about a good day that we will rejoice and be glad and be happy in, those days are days when we are thankful. And thankfulness, if there is a key to the Christian life, it is thankfulness. In everything, give thanks. How often do we say and how often do we hear? Have a good day. Have a good day. I hope you have a good day. We greet and well-wish people, don't we? Both believers and friends, families, neighbors, acquaintances, whatever, with that greeting. That's a good, that's a good thing, isn't it? And I do. I hope people have a good day. I hate to see people struggling, unhappy, miserable, uncomfortable. But that's life, isn't it? So we greet and wish people that. But I want you to think about it in this. You know, here again, our nature, our sinful nature reveals and manifests itself because we tend to categorize days, don't we? We can either at the end of the day put it in the good column or the bad column. You know, and sometimes we hear people say, how you doing? I'm having a bad day. You know? Well, every day, a good day Amen. to the believer. And that's our approach. Bad things? Yes. Bad circumstances? Yes. Unexpected things? Yes. But it doesn't wash out the adjective of being a good day. While we categorize, we do so again. It's a manifest of our sin nature. Because we're categorizing the day dependent upon the events of that day, the circumstances of that day, the happenings of that day, and we're letting those things determine our day. 
poor creatures that we are, aren't we? I mean, the weather affects us, <laughs> you know. The least little thing can affect us. Well, that just ruined my day. Really? But again, God help us, huh? I mean, we're just such fickle and frail creatures. When actually the day, being a good day or a, depend, or a bad day, depends on one thing and one thing alone. You. Me. Circumstances don't make a good day or a bad day. Not to a believer. To the world, yes. To the unbelieving, yes. Because that's all they've got. But believers have so much more that's not of this world and the world can only scratch the surface. Unless we let it go deeper. So I want to speak to you today, try to very positively, by way of encouragement, why that to you and I, as children of the Most High God, every day should be a good day. Because it depends on our state of being, the state of our soul, our perspective, our attitude. Some people never have a good day because they don't want to have a good day. I mean, it's a matter of want to with a lot of people. Now, I know people could object and say, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I don't have to. And I would say this to you if you want to debate the subject, I can guarantee you I've seen some people that I guarantee you are going through more than you're going through. And you know what? They were having a good day. I learned that lesson a long time ago, and I've shared that with you all about a little lady I went to the rest home to, supposed to went there to try to console her, and man, did I get a lesson on, on this subject and what it's like to be able to glorify and worship the Lord in any condition. That little body, I can still see it in my mind, but that little lady, that spark in her eye, in spite of all of that, it was a good day to her. Every day in that old, hospital, that old nursing home bed was a good day to her. She was a child of the Most High God. It was all about attitude and perspective. That's right. God help us. I want to give you some reasons, if I can, about why every day should be a good day to the believer. And we'll start from the very basic and the very beginning. First of all, it says, this is a day which the Lord hath made. Well, you know, we just need to simply remember God's the one that made the first day and He's the one that makes everyone sense in. They're all His. <laughs> I mean, ain't that a good place to start? I mean, in creation in Genesis 1, God made the first day. And He put the sun up there to rule over a 24-hour day in the daytime and He put the moon up there to rule over it by night and that's what we know of as a day. And he's been making them that way ever since. And until he quits making them, they're going to keep coming. Now that's elementary, I know. But that really gives us the perspective from the get-go, does it not? They're all his days. And you know, we need to get that right when we hit the floor in the morning, don't we? I mean, this is God's day. It's not mine. 
It only becomes mine for one reason, because I woke up and He saw fit to give it to me. So point being, they're all His. And if you're living in one of them, it's His gift to you. That's it. So here we start with the thanksgiving principle at the start. We don't deserve the day. He hasn't promised you the day. But by His graciousness and gift, He has been giving human beings their days ever since He created the first man. So it's God's gift to us. So we start right there in Genesis. That's where you need to start to have a good day. Is realize who they are and that it is a gift from God. Secondly, we need to remember that our primary purpose of every day or today is to glorify God. You know, so much, again, our human nature manifests itself. When we get up, we naturally, and we should to some degree, think about what we've got to do. I mean, we've got things to do to go to work, to prepare for work, and, you know, responsibilities. That, that's all good. But what's more important than all that? Glorifying God. You know, Revelation chapter 4 over there, just, you know, some again, these are very basic things. There's nothing complex about what I'm going to say today. It's very simple, but it's very profound. Chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 11, just a quick reminder. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You're living today should be for the glory of God. It's a testimony of His grace, goodness unto us. So we're here to glorify God. And the real Scripture that emphasizes that, I think, to the believer, specifically, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. For you are bought with a price. And that was a very special price, wasn't it? Amen. Therefore, so simply because of who you are, a child of God, you have a heavenly Father, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, I thought we just did that on Sunday. Well, you just, yeah, you man, or you, you missed the boat a long ways back. This is a daily thing. This is a constant thing. This is a persistent thing. So our primary purpose is not to sell this, buy this, gain this, lose that. You know, those are, those, all that stuff is secondary. Our primary purpose every day and if we get this straight at the get and go, it's going to be a good day. Amen. Right. It's to glorify, adore, worship, praise our God. You don't have to take ten minutes and get on your knees and get in the closet. You can do it mentally, wherever you are, however you are. You know, I mean, we can we can do it while we work and in our spare times and the different things. You know, I mean, it's just that, it's that salt again that's there that seasons everything. Thirdly, every day a good day. The believer, you have so much to be thankful for. Why will it not be a good day? I just leave the question to you as it, as it hits me. I have no answer. 
How can it not be? God is so good. I mentioned this morning, uh, I hadn't thought of this till it came to me in the opening prayer this morning. Daily, He loadeth us with benefits. I mean, there's not a day for the believer where we just get by by the skin of our teeth with the bare necessities of life. My life, there's always been more air to breathe, more water to drink, more food than a, and those things are there every day, every day. The scripture that comes to mind in regard to that is in Lamentations, and this humbles us. But when we humble, we can be when we're humbled, we can rejoice and be glad. Lamentations chapter three, verse twenty-two through twenty-four. We read these words. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. Okay, get that. They don't fail. They're there every day. And He's fixing to say that. They are new every morning. Now we know every morning is a new sunrise. It's the same old thing, but each morning is a new one because it's a new day. Right? It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's that day. So God's mercies. When you woke up this morning, you didn't get yesterday's mercy. You got today's mercy. You didn't get yesterday's grace left over. You know, like we put leftovers in the fridge. You got brand spanking new mercy and grace for today. Here's the title of the song we sing. Great is thy faithfulness. What effect does that have? The Lord is my portion, therefore, my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. That's a good day to acknowledge that, is it not? So much to be thankful for. How can it not be a good day? Number four. God has promised to you, His child, To bless you every day. Not just Sunday. Not just days when you do this or do that or what have you. The promise of God is He will bless His people. And those blessings will be constant. Showers of blessings we sing, right? Proverbs 10 and 6 says, Blessings are upon the head of the just. Violence covers the mouth of the wicked. But God's blessings are upon and unto His people. And the only thing that hinders the flow of those is our sin, neglect, unthankfulness, or disobedience. But even in spite of that, they're still coming more abundantly than what we need. There's a scripture in Ephesians, I think Ephesians 1 Similarly, that reflects on that comes to mind. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And I read that one because just suppose today you didn't have enough water to drink. Just suppose today you had to go hungry and was in some situation where you couldn't eat. And just suppose today you were injured or hurt or sick or diseased or whatever it may be. 
You know, those are all the externals. Those are all the bodily things. Inside this body, there's the new man who's constantly, daily being renewed by the Holy Spirit. So the choice again becomes, are we going to live in the old man or are we going to live in the new man? Yeah, I can tell you which choice will give you a good day. The new man. The spiritual blessings are always there. We may cut the fellowship with God because of something, disobedience or sin that we're doing, but you know what? Those spiritual things are still there in the Lord Jesus Christ. Five. Everything that happens today has been predestinated of old. And God has promised to work it together for my good. If that don't convince you that it's going to be a good day, I don't know what will. I mean, any one of these will, but when you put these things together, I mean, think about that. It's a scripture probably all of us can quote. But God has known all His works from the beginning. He ordains events, circumstances for every day. It's divinely orchestrated down to the most minute detail. And when I say minute, I mean under the microscope, in the depth of the sea, in outer space, Amen. and in places where man can't even see. God's still working. Yeah. And there's things that will happen today that could not happen yesterday. And they're going to happen today because He didn't want them to happen tomorrow. And they're going to affect you and they're going to affect me. It's all divinely arranged. We don't know what it is. So that's why we press forward with all diligence, with all caution, with all wisdom, with all desire to be obedient. But we don't know what's coming. But isn't it a wonderful consolation that God not only knows, we do not stop there with God knows. I mean, the biggest fool in the world can admit to that truth. But we go further and say, God determined, decreed, designed, and it shall come to pass exactly according as He has designed it. Now again, we don't wake up of a day and, and should have a desire to change the events of the day as they happen to us. We are to yield to what happens in the day. Knowing that it's designed for our good, to work together for good. I'm not saying it will be good, but it will work together for our good. The, the Romans 8.28 doesn't say everything happens to you is good. Don't misinterpret it as such. It works together for good. Let's read it, shall we? Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And, and we know, and we might put in parentheses beside there, but we forgive. <laughs> right? And we know that all things, okay, we need to, we need to really, when we get to that, we know that all things. I really need to put the emphasis on all, right? Because the human mind... But, but, no, there are no buts. There are no exclusions. 
all things work to, well what about yeah that too what about yeah that too all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose and I love an illustration that I heard about a lady in the south who was told this or quoted this she said oh you mean that's like making biscuits people said what yeah that's just like making biscuits well what do you mean by that I believe, she said, I believe, believe in that forever. said, well, look at all the stuff you put in biscuits. You put flour, you put baking powder, you put salt and this stuff in there. And said, you know, any one of those things, you don't want to eat none of that by itself. I mean, you just don't take up a handful of flour and eat it, and you just don't pour a box of salt down your throat or baking powder. He said, none of that stuff by itself is good. But said, when you put it all together, said, it makes fine biscuits. <laughs> Well, that's what God does. There are bitter things. There are hard things. There are painful things. There is grief. There is sorrow. And we're going to bump into them things just about every day. But God is able to take those bitter things and put them with other bitter things and put them with sorrowful things and put them from things that we don't would never encounter and He makes perfect biscuits. And I'll leave it at that. I can't hardly read Romans 8.28 without thinking of that example. It just, you know, things just, there's just certain examples and illustrations that just drives a truth home deep in your soul. And boy, that drives it home to me. All right, number six. He has promised never to leave me nor forsake me. You're never going to wake up someday and God is not there. Our God don't take vacations. Our God don't get weary. Our God doesn't take naps, does He? The Bible says He's on the job all the time. I'm not making fun. I'm just, I'm just, it's an expression for a way to put it there, right? He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. 13 and 5 of Hebrews, let your conversation be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And actually the quote goes all the way back to Joshua. Chapter 1 and verse 5, when he replaced Moses, he says, I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And it's true with all of God's people. So no day, no circumstance, no hardship, no pain, no calamity, no tragedy, no nothing when the Lord's saying, I'm out of here. He's always going to be with us. Lord is my shepherd, right? I mean, wherever we're at, He's going to be there. That should give us a good day. Going back on what we said before that everything that happens today has been divinely predestinated. Whatever problems or things I encounter today, the Lord can take care of that. I can't. I, I had a little saying used to have on my Rolex. I think it's wore out or something, but it said, and it was just a vivid reminder, if I sat at that desk or I even passed by that desk sometimes, you know, it was on that Rolex, and it said, good morning, this is God. I'll be handling all your problems today, so just relax and enjoy it. Well, that's true. All we got to do is take the problems to Him. That's where we fail sometimes, isn't it? And that's where we forget again. What, what does the Scripture speak to us about? Well, let me give you a 
Scripture to. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. What are we supposed to do with our problems? Amen. What, what are we supposed to do with the burdens and the weight that we can't shoulder up, and we can't stand up under, and we can't bear up under? We're supposed to get somebody to help us? We're supposed to drag them along? We're supposed to get rid of them? Kick them off a cliff? What are we supposed to The Bible says, cast it upon Him. Take it to the Lord. The song says, take it to the Lord in prayer. Right? And it's called H-E-L-P, is it not? There's no problem, as you've heard said, too big for God, is there? The problem lies in us getting the problem to God. Not that He doesn't want us to know. Not that He doesn't already know about the problem. But you got to bring the problem to Him like He didn't know to get His help. And that's all designed to get us where we need to be and Him get the glory for doing the help. It's a simple little thing, is it not? So, very simple. He will handle... All of our problems. There's a scripture in Psalms. Let me turn back over. In fact, this is close to where I was reading this morning. Psalms 34 and verse 15. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. So He's capable of handling all of our problems. We just need to take it to Him. Number nine. Every day a good day. If we seek and yield to the Holy Spirit for guidance and strength against sin, Satan, and temptation. This is probably the warning part of the tent that I have, obviously. Everything else, you know, kind of revolves around Thanksgiving and so forth, but, but we need not leave this out. You want to have a good day, let the Spirit <laughs> control you. Seek the Spirit to lead you. Seek the Spirit to guide you. Leave the I out. Well, I think I'll do I think I'll do I think we, I, 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 you know, God help me. Help me be yielded. Help me not grieve the Spirit. What should I do, Lord? Because every day we're going to face sin, Satan, and temptation out there. So we don't want to just be giddy and happy and go about and thinking that no harm's going to come to us. No, 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 no. Your devil, the adversary, is as a roaring lion. He's out there. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, right after the one we read a while ago, I believe it is. Um, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeping whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. How are we going to resist? We need help. We need the Holy Spirit. We need His strength. We need His guidance. We need to realize and acknowledge every day, I can't, but He can. And we have the earnest of the Spirit within us. So that's an encouragement to have a good day. That I said nine, that was eight. Number nine, live today or remember to live today like it is your last day. Because it very well could be. That's very sobering, isn't it? Again, going back to the first, God makes the days, God gives them to us, and you don't know how many left you've got. But one day, 
If we don't die in the night, we'll wake up and it'll be our last day. Point being, every day is precious. Every day is a gift. Life is precious. Life is fragile. And we need to rejoice in every one of them. As if it was the last one. You know how that goes in it. When you get down to the end of something, you know, it's your last whatever. Man, you cherish that, don't you? I mean, you know, because they're not going to be any more. I mean, that piece of chocolate, that cup of coffee, that whatever it may be, that cold drink on a hot day, I mean, when it's gone, it's gone. Nothing ever tasted or any better, right? Well, that's the way to live your life. That's the way to live the day. Is again, God has given me many. If this is the last one, to Him be the glory. It's been wonderful. You know, live it like it's the last one in that regard. We know as the children of God this more than the world ever does because they don't think on it, we do. They're not prepared for eternity. They don't want to think of the grave. They don't want to think about dying because they don't have nothing when it comes to that point. There's always fear associated with that. But you and I know that the Bible says very plainly, like Job alluded to, we have an appointed number of days. That's it. Job, Job talked about it. Are not my days appointed? And they are. He said it in the 7th chapter. He said it in the 14th chapter. 7 and 1, 14 and 14 of Job. And then we come to Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this a judgment. So we have an appointed number of days. And we don't know if we got 22 or 0. So every day should be cherished. Amen. We should seek to make the most of each day. And then be able to lay down at night contented for whatever blessings we were able to acknowledge that day. That one more time we live through a day did we give thanks to God? Did we glorify God? Were we content with what God had provided? I mean, there's no peace like that when those thoughts come through your mind and you put your head on a pillow at night. In fact, I love these couple of verses. They've always spoken to me and, you know, the Scripture, the Scripture speaks to you, but then the depth with which it speaks to you just seems to get deeper over time. The meaning... In Ecclesiastes, I love these verses. Chapter 3, verse 13. I'll read 12 for context. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Now, if you leave off the last part, you got what the world's doing. It's just a party time. You know? Eat, drink, and enjoy what I've done. Look at what I've done. A Nebuchadnezzar mentality. But when you have that last part, which the children of God do, the perspective of knowing that all you're eating, all you're drinking, all your pleasure, and all your labor is vanity, and will end when you draw your last breath, then you have a different perspective. Because then you say, I didn't do it. 
God gave it. God gave it to me and, and gave me the ability to enjoy it. And let me tell you right here, right now, you can't enjoy anything to the max unless you appreciate the hand that gave it to you. And God, of course, is the greatest giver there ever has been and ever will be. And again, as I said at the beginning, you can't rejoice unless you're humbled by the fact of knowing you don't deserve anything. God is not obligated to give you anything. It is all a gift. And when you arrive at that, let me tell you, you can rejoice with the angels then. I thank God for that. I think of this. I have thought of this. I'm not bragging, but I have thought of this for years and years and years and years. I'm telling you, what I'm preaching to you today, a good day every day, this verse and the other one I'm going to read to you over in the fifth chapter, and verse 19 and 20, has blessed me, consoled me, sustained me throughout my life, and I'm proud of it. I just thank God for it. This This should be our perspective. If God gives you a tent, God gives you a mansion. God gives you a bicycle, God gives you a new car. Whatever it is. You know what Jesus said? Be content with such things as you have. You don't have to have stuff. You got to know where the stuff comes from. That's the key to life. Five and, uh, what did I say, 19 and 20. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth. And again, don't put dollar signs to that. That's the biggest mistake people put. Love of money. You know, man's heart is so rooted in money, we've got to put a dollar sign to everything. We've got to assign a value. Let me tell you, i got things that people wouldn't spit on that's very valuable to me. And of course, the greatest thing is spiritual things. God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him, here's the blessing, get this today, power to eat thereof. I mean, to take his portion, to rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God, for he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answers him in the joy of his heart. Let me sum that up. I think in heaven we're not going to be running around bragging about what we had on earth. (laughs) We'll be bragging to one another about the joy the Lord gave us for the stuff he gave us that we could have joy in. That's it. So live every day realizing that whatever you have, whatever you get, whatever peace, joy, and contentment you get out of the things and the blessings of this day, it's all again a gift of God. You know, it's kind of like this. The day is the box with a wrapper on it, but it's got all kinds of things in it for you to enjoy, right? I mean, that's going to be a good day. When you unwrap that day and see all these things that God has given you and given you the ability to enjoy it. You know, it would be one thing to hand some, some food to somebody that couldn't chew, wouldn't it? They, I mean, there it is. I mean, it's a great blessing to have it, but what good is it if you can't chew it? And you can't taste it? You see what I'm saying? God not only gives it, but He gives us the ability to know where it comes from, therefore to enjoy it so much more, and to be content with it because 
He's the giver. He knows what's best for us. He knows what quantity is best for us. He knows what to withhold. I mean, and He does it day in and day out. Finally, one last verse. And the tenth one is simply a verse. I've tried to practice this, and uh, it's a struggle. Like all these things we're talking about, you have to. It's a struggle. Every day a good day. Philippians chapter four and verse eight. Finally, brethren, and that's why I made this one number ten. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Sum that up. Keep your mind in the right places. Protect your mind. Protect what comes into your mind through the senses. And let me tell you, everything said in verse 8 is not of the world. None of it's of the world. It's all of God. It's all of His Word. It's all of truth. Pure things. Just things. Lovely things. Good report. That's all in the Bible. Think of Scripture. Blessed is the man whose mind is stayed on thee. Isaiah 26 and 3. That's number 10. Let's conclude. Every day to the child of God is a good day. It's up to us to make the choice to either acknowledge it as such or to neglect it and be miserable or disappointed. But if the Lord is loading us with benefits every day, the Lord's not going to forsake us. The Lord's working all things to our good and all these other things. It, it is a good day. That's the fact. When the day ends, it'll get the stamp. This was a good day to my child here, my child there, and all my children everywhere. I made it. God makes it a good day for us. The problem lies in our acknowledgement. God help us to acknowledge. We'll take it a step further and say, only you or I can prevent it from being a good day. That, that's the only way the day can go sour. Is if we give in, yield, forfeit it as such. Because in the end, when the record's all done, if we could get in heaven, we could look back on that day and think, oh man, that's the worst day of my life. Look back, and you know what God's book's going to say? <laughs> It's a good day. We start seeing all the things that God did for us that day. Let me put it to you like this. Let me see if I can get it right. Oh, maybe I hadn't thought of it in a while. That's, I need to practice. I'm telling off on myself. Aren't I? Uh, it's, I, I, I do. I think of it all the time. It's just escaping me right now. It's, Lord, help me to see the world as it is and not as I feel or am. The good's out there. God's blessing are there. The only thing that's going to shut my eyes to it is me. 
I think it's as I am is the correct deal, not as I feel. Help me to see things as they are, not as I choose to see them because of the way I want to feel. You see. Finally, one day, we referred to this a little bit before, God will not give us the gift of another day. That's just the sobering reality we touched on. One day will be our last day. It will be that day that if they put a tombstone on your grave, that will be your last day. We're all going to face that. That's not a bad day. If you do a normal funeral two or three days, you'll be, have already been there two or three days. You'll be home. You know, I mean, by the time when they set the tombstone, you, you've been gone a long time. That will be a glorious day. Remember, we're sojourners. We're just passing through. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. I believe it. I hope you do can too. I'm not asking you to compare. It should be true of all believers. I believe this. I don't know if I've ever told the congregation this, but I'm going to tell you today, so at least you heard it if I die today. I believe God has given me the best there is in this world to be given. I believe that. I believe He's given me the very best. I'm not, I'm not saying that to be above you. I'm just saying me. I'm not disappointed to leave here because I believe I've got the best of what there is here. You get my point? The only thing better than what He has given me here is what he's got waiting up there. And death is going to take me there unless he comes before I die. So when that last day comes, it's still going to be a good day. <laughs> because I'm leaving the good and going to the better. And so are you. Finally, one day, you think, it's, you think it can't get better, but it's going to. I'm going to give you one more thing. It's going to get better. One day, God's going to quit making days. I'm not talking about your day when you die or my day. God's going to quit making days. He's going to take the sun out. He's going to take the moon away. There's going to be no more 24-hour days. There's going to be no more time. There's just going to be eternity. Now again, to the unbelieving, that will be a dread and that will be a fearful, fearful time. The very thought of eternity, I remember as a kid and adolescence and stuff, scared me to death. Just, it's so unknown. But as you grow in grace, even though you don't understand it, you embrace it. And you embrace the concept that, you know, we're just so time-oriented. It just has to have a time to it or I can't, I can't be happy. 
And gradually over time, God gave me peace about that. I was really hung up of that as a Christian for years. You know, just, I mean, especially, uh, like I say, adolescence, a teenager, a young man. You know, it's just time. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll confess up here. I'm, uh, I remember thinking as a kid, of course, I was saved at nine and a half, so I remember thinking as a kid, well, what are we going to do in eternity? I mean, that's so long. What can, I mean, you know, because, you know, you're a kid on the playground, you get tired of one thing, you get, you know, I mean, that's the mentality we have. But of course, our little finite minds just can't comprehend. But one day, God will make the last day. And time will be no more. And there will only be us and God and eternal life forever. The former days will all be past. James says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then disappears. But to the believer, the end of days, excuse my illustration, will be the beginning of days because it will be the beginning of eternity. May God help us to think of these things, some of them, all of them, whatever, and every day be a good day to the praise of our God for His goodness.